time has come. The time is now. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we strap on the four ounce gloves and prepare an overhand right dose that is brought to you and underwritten by that performance enhancing audio, the Brian Campbell. In fact, the voice that you hear just about ready to tag in my main man, King Mo, Muhammad Lawal, the Bellator money weight champion, if you will, to bring you yet another loaded combat audio dose you simply won't want to miss. In my home, this is my home right here. This is America Top Team. Don't you don't disrespect me in my home. Don't ever disrespect the king. You already know that. You already know what Chael Sonnen feels about my good friend King Mo. King Mo's a tough son of a bitch. That guy's all right with me. He is all right with all of us indeed. And Mo will join me in previewing Saturday's strong UFC 228 card from Dallas featuring a pair of title bouts atop the marquee, including welterweight king Tyron Woodley returning from a one-year layoff to face rising star Darren Till in a fight that very well could bring fireworks. We're also... Going to be running down the latest news about the likes of Conor McGregor, Nick Diaz, Tony Ferguson, Chris Cyborg, and much, much more. We may even talk about some Logan Paul on the timeline, if you will. Yes, indeed, this is a podcast that is guaranteed to leave you impressed. I'm not impressed by your performance. Hey, here we go, GSP. It's a new era of combat audio. We've already established that in prior shows. Welcome to the Machida era. No, 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 not that era. But speaking of being impressed, if you like what you hear on today's show, if you see something, say something. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review. Give us that five-star review if it means that much to you. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us who you want to hear on the show. Just tell us. You have a pulse. And you are listening. It goes a long way to keep the strong audio on time coming at you. King Mo, my good man. We got a lot of good stuff to bring to you. Got a lot of buttons on this soundboard, as you know. His chin is deteriorating. Yes, yes, it is, Connor. Hey, the business is behind us. Let's get to the entertainment, all right? Let's bring in the man who wears the crown, the king himself, King Mo. Enjoy. Oh yeah, you better believe it. BC, King Mo, coming back at you with the MMA show, but something to talk about, right? We got a lot of headlines. We got UFC 228 in Dallas on the horizon. A little bit slow the last few weeks, King, but we're back. News is moving, products moving, the sport's healthy. How's King Mo? Where you at? You in the gym? What's going on, King Mo? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, I'm good, man. Right now I'm in Cali. Um was filming a Burger King commercial. I'm gonna head back to Florida um, today, so you know, you know it's how it is. Look at that casual. It's like, yeah, I just happened to be on TV. It's just you know getting 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 my stuff together, filming a commercial. No, not a <laughs> not a big deal. Nothing to see here in the life of King Mo. Yeah, it's just you know, I don't, I don't take it that serious. I just my main my main thing is being healthy, talking MMA, talking um pro wrestling, talking boxing, and uh, training hard. That's about it. That's my that's my daily life, pretty much. All right, all right, all right. Uh, what's good in uh, in terms of what you've seen lately? Anything good? Any good fights you've seen? Anything anything good? You uh, any any talks of a fight for you? What do you got? What what's what's going on? What what do you got? Anything? 
Uh, well, I believe that uh, I'm going to be fighting, supposed to fight maybe November 3rd. Now it's December 15th. Ooh, where's that? I don't know where. I don't know. They, they said they're going to make it December 15th, a 10-pole card. So they don't know where the location is going to be just yet. So I guess it's going to be a big card in December. Yeah. Just don't know where where or when in December it's going to be. So like actually, yeah, December there. 15th. So just is that a, That's it. just a money weight fight? Just open, whatever. As long as that check clears, you're there. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. All right, all right. Hey, I did want to ask you one thing. You know that that fella who just got signed to Bellator, the former WWE star Jack Swagger, a.k.a. Jake Hager? Yep. He says he's hey, close to yeah. a return. I'm sorry, not a return, a debut. He wants to make his MMA debut with Bellator by the end of 2018. He said he's been thankful that they've allowed him to do all these independent wrestling dates as he's also preparing his body for MMA. And uh, he's an interesting fellow. He's 36, but he's 6'7", and like a legit 6'7", heavyweight body. But he's got that all-American wrestling background from Oklahoma. He also had a football scholarship there. Do you know this guy? Have you seen anything of this guy? Mm. Are we going to believe that he can fight, or is this like a CM Punk-ish stunt? No, nah, it's not CM Punk. I'm, I've known, I guess I've known Jake since, known of Jake and seen Jake since he was in high school. He wrestled at Perry, Oklahoma. He was a, um, a multiple top state champion. Went to, got a scholarship to Oklahoma to play football and wrestle. Went there, was a multiple, I think it was a, um, All-American, I think twice, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he, we had battles with him, man. We, we, you know, um, he had wrestled Steve Mako and Willie Grinwald from Oklahoma State. But he, you know, he, he got beat, but he can't, he, he competed hard. Oh, nice. The only thing is now he's in MMA. We know he can wrestle. He spent his whole time wrestling. But how would, how would he react to punches being thrown at his face? That's the question. Because in wrestling, you don't, you don't put the hands to the face. You can't. So you see guys, when they get eye poked, they over, they over, they, they flinch. A lot of times in wrestling, they're so used to hands that come to their face that the moment they see punches in their face, they start to flinch and turn their head because it's something that's not natural. That's interesting. We saw, you know, Brock Lesnar the first time take some punches. Yeah. You, you realize, wow, you know, this guy's an athletic freak, but he may not have it in terms of a, a, a long run there. And that, that proved true. Hey, I'm cheering for him. I, I loved him as a wrestler. I love the We the yeah. People gimmick. I got that t-shirt actually in my, in my marked him uh, drawer over there, but, uh, I want to see what happens. I, I like these crossovers, of course. I, I'll, I'll pop for him. I wonder if he's going to get the same matchmaking treatment that Bobby Lashley got, which means a lot of fat white guys. Well, the thing is that um, I think he'll get the, get that he'll get that treatment for about five, six fights because that's one thing Coker's you know down to do, been known to do is build fighters. You have to build fighters because what's the point of throwing them out to the wolves? Let them get beat, and then you, you're not getting you're making your money back, or or they're not coming back to MMA. Like 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 James Tony, man, the UFC could have made so much money on James Tony if they would have been like, okay, James Tony versus Kimbo. I'm with you. Money. That's a missed opportunity right there, a hundred percent. But the thing is, I feel like they did that because they don't know. I feel like they didn't know what they had. They figured that okay, because let's be honest, like when it comes to MMA, like the black audience ain't really known to buy pay per views, but if they had Kimbo Slice versus James Harden, I believe everybody would about that pay-per-view. From the trash talk, from the styles, you have Slugger, Street Fighter versus Boxer, you know, and they've done it before where they had Ray Mercer yeah. versus Kimbo Slice in an in a, in a exhibition. 
So why not have James Tony versus Kimbo Slice? It's weird. That was and a time I, when I, UFC I, was like, we don't do stuff like that. Now they'll bend over backwards to do stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, they'll, 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 do, they'll bend over backwards to do a damn game there. Shooting star press <laughs> to, to, to make that happen. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, carnival fights involving old guys, we knew Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz 3 was a reality. It's going to happen. Now we have a date, November 24th at the Forum in Inglewood. This is a... Maybe a little bit of a big deal. Now, it's going to be promoted, of course, by Oscar De La Hoya of Golden Boy Promotions in the first Golden Boy MMA card. I got a lot of issues with with this. Like, okay, I don't hate that the fight is happening because I'm a sucker for this. Like, this is a Bellator special right here. I have no idea why Bellator is not promoting this. This is a Bellator special, 1,000%. It's sloppy. Yes, it's very sloppy. Somebody can get hurt. Chuck's 48. He hasn't fought in like a decade, right? And he got knocked out a bunch at the end. Tito's 43, but always banged up. I'm okay with the fight. What I'm not okay with is De La Hoya. Like, here's a quote he gave ESPN just the other day. I'm becoming a promoter in MMA for the same reason I became a promoter in boxing. I'm sick and tired of these fighters coming up to me and saying they get paid crap. I can't get into the specifics of the deal, but I'll tell you Chuck and Tito will be making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else. They'll participate in the pay-per-view and the revenue. This will be the most lucrative fight of their careers. I hate Kingbo that Oscar's trying to be like a patriot in this situation. When anybody in boxing knows Oscar's, Oscar's like ridiculously desperate right now. Golden Boy has Canelo and really no one else except for a couple prospects. They're tied to HBO, which is going in the opposite direction. They have budget issues. There's not a lot going on there. Oscar's doing this fight out of desperation. So for him to try to say, I'm doing this to save MMA, King Mo, Golden Boy MMA, my prediction, one card. This is it. One card and never again. Uh, I think it'll be two. I have a feeling this card might actually be okay. You know why? Because instead of having UFC presenter, they're just using Chuck Liddell versus Ortiz. They're hoping that will sell. I think that I, th- I don't know what the, ne- the gate will be like, but I feel I have a feeling that the um, the attendance will be high. Maybe because there'll be a lot of comp tickets. It'll, it'll look great, great on uh, on camera. I think the I think the broadcasting might be uh, have a little issues. I think the the um, the production will be okay, but I feel like um, when it comes back to the money, they're gonna make they're not gonna make this money at all. Well, it's like this I feel is like the this gate's is... gonna be weak. It's gonna be a weak gate. Well, think about it. This is perfect for like the Paramount Network or DAZN app or Bellator, basically. But on pay per view, what are they going to get, King Mo? Uh, what's what's the what's the ceiling? Like two hundred thousand buys? Like I can't see people. I mean, unless the price is like five ninety nine, I can't see people going out of their way to buy it. I could see people going to the event. I could see people watching it for free on TV. But you're you're basically putting the his the future of your MMA company in the hands of of. You know, two forty-something-year-olds. And the thing is, like, it's a Bellator special, but it's not a Bellator special for the main reason. Chuck Liddell has he passed his physical? Has he had a physical? What do we know about it from his pet trauma? I'm pretty sure if he's gonna fight in a Bellator, um, Coker will be like, "Hey, go to the Cleveland Clinic, get some uh, get some testing done, and let's see what they say." I'm pretty sure that's what. They would do, but um, I hope so because it, don't forget, Kimbo failed the drug test for Bellator, and then they were going to allow him to fight in Europe like a month later. You know, like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a drug test, and too, like he did pass a physical. He to a doctor, him and Dada somehow passed a physical. Now they passed a physical in 
Florida or somewhere in the South where the doctors are probably fans. We're like, hey, hey, blah, 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 blah. But Chuck Liddell most likely has have to go to a doctor he knows somewhere on the West Coast. Or if it was, a, if it was Bellator, I'm pretty sure Bellator would be like, hey, go see this doctor, a doctor we know to make sure. I don't know what Golden Boy's doing. I'm pretty sure that they probably just let Chuck go see some random doctor and to, to, to pass the physical and he's do extra brain testing, uh, you know, testing and I, who knows? I, I don't know if he's got this CAT scan and, uh, all this stuff's gotten cleared and who knows, man? Like, I saw Chuck been out in, for a while. Yeah, I saw him in July at UFC 226 and, uh, he's, he's Bill. I mean, he's, he's back in shape. He's jacked, but, you saw some sparring video that Coach Ray Sefo put out in, uh, not sparring video, just Chuck hitting the pads and it was like, oh man, that's a, that's an old guy there. Which, look again, my point, my point isn't this fight is sloppy, don't do it. My point is like, I don't see, who's Oscar gonna entrap to be able to put together a promotion? So it's like, like I give, like he's going for it, that's fine. I just don't see this going anywhere because you can't just – no one's going to just leave their Bellator and UFC contracts to go with them. How many free agent yeah, old names are you? They're free agents. Remember, remember, Affliction. Remember, Affliction. But Affliction happened like everybody was signed, remember. We had all these organizations, and somehow they still have to put two cars together. Really three, but the third one didn't go through because Barnett yes. didn't pass a drug test. So, oh, like, there are going to be people – for instance, Gleason T-Bow – is a free agent. There are a lot of free agents out there that can be that can be used. You know, so it's just a matter of who will those free agents fight, who's available, what matchups will you, will you be able to make, and there there are some matchups, but who knows if these people are American? Who knows if they'll be able to sell? Are they from Canada? Are they Brazilian? Who knows? But there are some fights out there that can be made. We just don't know the 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 level. You know, what I'm saying the level of the fighters that'll be used. That's it. If I'm Oscar, I just load this card up with. With names, with old names. I just make it as sloppy as possible. Make it a nostalgia card. Maybe take Vitor Belfort's idea and actually make this a senior league MMA. Maybe just, you know, make it. I see. I tell you, if I, if I was Oscar, what I would do is I would be like, okay, Triple G was Canelo. You know what? Let's try, we should, they should try to have this card, try to have this fight on, on the, on the, the pay per view televised portion of Triple G was Canelo. Wow, that's an interesting idea. Because then, because then you have T. Ortiz, who's, who's Hispanic, like, Hispanic last name, versus, um, Chuck Odell, who's known on the Triple G, on the Triple G Canelo car, which would be like, you know. And you Chicago. bring in a lot of MMA fans that way. That's a good point, because there's a lot of MMA fans who know of Triple G and Canelo. Maybe they don't want to pay yeah. 80 bucks for the pay-per-view, but if they're like, well, I gotta see this third Chuck and Tito fight. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, let's get a couple guys over. Let's get some beers and some wings. Yeah, you're right, King Mo. That's not a bad idea. And two, it'll change the not yet because sometimes on the pay-per-view cards, the first or second fight is just terrible. Just like actually, it's just the second. But the first fight is a good fight because it's a prospect smashing some old guy. You know what I'm saying? Some old, you know, journeyman or or gatekeeper. Then the second fight is usually like you know, uh, two guys that are somewhat decent. And it go usually goes like twelve rounds. Then the third fight is like whatever. And then usually the fourth fight can be the might be the actual real fight. So this just have like Chuck versus Tito be the second fight. So instead of it being the the fight that goes twelve rounds, this fight will only go about maybe a round, a round and a half, with a crazy knockout or maybe some some nasty ground and pound finish. And now and after that fight ends, it'll give them time to clean the mats, 
I mean, clean the, clean the canvas, get all the sweat up, the blood up, and then it'll give them time for the, for, for, um, to, um, do the walkouts and everything. So it'll time to space things out. Interesting. Interesting stuff there. Uh, King Mo, before we get into the actual MMA news, can we talk one more thing about ridiculous MMA and ridiculous boxing? Do you, are you, are you woke on this dude, Logan Paul, this, uh, YouTube sensation yeah. who has Logan, eight... Logan Paul versus KSI? I, I know, I know about these guys because Jeff, Jeff told me it was like, no, Jeff, I'm going to start training some guy named KSI or whatever. And I was Jeff like, Mayweather. Who's right? that? I had no idea. Yeah, Jeff told me, it's like, yeah, from England, blah, 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 but I knew Jack knows him, but I'm like, all right, cool. I didn't know how big, it, I didn't know how big of a deal, deal it was, but I guess they had a good turnout for on pay-per-view. So Logan Paul, who has 18 million YouTube subscribers, he's that guy who's get, yeah. kind of a dirtbag in the negative headlines yeah, for that suicide video. That, yeah, he throws somebody, yeah, yeah, see, he throws somebody for the suicide, yeah. He boxed KSI, who is also a YouTube sensation and gamer who has like 19 million YouTube subscribers. So they had this pay-per-view boxing match. Uh, basically on the one year anniversary of Mayweather McGregor in England, they sold 15,000 seats. They sold 800,000 pay-per-views at like 10 bucks a pop. So like you give them credit. That became something that became an event. But the news here for MMA purposes is that Logan Paul, who apparently has a legitimate high school wrestling background was like, uh, tweeted something out to the d- degree of, okay, I'm ready to go into MMA. Now I'm ready to go into the UFC. And this fired people up like crazy. Darren Till, the same Darren Till, Saturday, who's going to compete for UFC championship, came out with this tweet. Every day is hard as F. Every day is a little more harder on your physical and mental state. Then you get a cunt coming out like this YouTuber fella thinking he can mix it in the UFC. F off, will you, mate, and don't embarrass our sport, end quote. I'm just shocked that, like, Darren Till would actually comment on something like this. And then Logan Paul and Sage Northcutt, of all people, had a little bit of beef. I'm not sure if it was real or not on Twitter that ended with Logan Paul calling him Sage Northbutt and them challenging each other to a fight. So King Mo, this is almost too ridiculous to talk about except for this fact. The dude has 18 million subscribers on YouTube. When Radio Rahim, the boxing blogger, vlogger, yeah. internet guy interviewed yeah. him after that boxing match, the video did like six or seven million hits. Is UFC going to bite on this? Like, is there something here? They will. They'll buy on it. Why not? They've been on CM Punk, and I, I like CM Punk. Everyone can talk about, well, there are guys that they shouldn't. Every day is a tough day, but there are guys in the UFC right now with no wrestling experience. There are fans that fight that Logan Paul could possibly beat off of wrestling itself. You know, the UFC MMA in a sense has gotten watered down. Back in the day, to make it to Bellator or to make it to a UFC or to make it to an organization of Strike Force or Sengoku, you had to prove yourself. You had to prove yourself. In, you had to either be a, have high plot around you from from like a from wrestling or kickboxing or something like that, or you had to prove yourself in a local scene to make to be known nationally. Um, now it's just that hey, you're famous. You want to fight? Okay, here go get a physical, go get a um CAT scan, go get an MRI, and we got you. Here the Reebok warm ups. You're a fighter now. That's all it is. I mean, Not like, that hard. we all want to crap on it, but when somebody is that famous, when he can do a sixth-round exhibition boxing match, I don't care what the price is, you get 800,000 people to agree to pay to watch it. That's the biggest boxing pay-per-view of the year right now. Wake up, everybody. Like, the biggest boxing pay-per-view of the year is some Internet celebrity. So 
I'm just saying, like, we're get when somebody's that ultra famous, you never know what's going to happen. Was it, was it, was it head, they wear headgear or was it pro? They wore, they wore headgear, and I'll actually give them credit because I've seen a lot of bad celebrity boxing crap, tough man contests. They were in shape, and they actually, like, tried they tried to make it a real boxing match. Like, I'm not saying it was technically beautiful, but you've seen a lot of these type of things, and they get really sloppy. This really wasn't that sloppy. Yeah, they train, they've been training for a year, so not a little longer. Um, really, when it comes down to it, like, I think that they should, it, should be, it should be done. Remember, like, when Darren Till said, embarrass our sport, Darren, MMA is really not a sport anymore. It's entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Because if, if it was a sport, he wouldn't have got a title shot because he missed weight his last night. Hey, there, there it is. There's some truth linking out of there. We, we will get to that. Let's run through. And, and, and no, no shade, no shade. Just that you know, like he's a good fighter. He is, he has, he has momentum. He sold out his home, sold out his home stadium. But he missed weight. But he's still getting a title shot. But because that, that in itself just shows that it's not a true sport. That let me miss a weight, rest of the Olympic trials. I mean, wrestling for the Olympics, missing weight, and get a chance to participate in the tournament and win the tournament anyway. Oh, there's even a lot wrong with weight. this. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot wrong with this. I'm completely with you on that yeah. one. A uh, lot more to come on that in our UFC 228 preview. <laughs> All right, a couple headlines here. Uh, I'm really liking what this November 10th UFC Fight Night Denver card is coming together. So that's the 25th anniversary of UFC. They're going to make it special. Apparently, there's going to be the old UFC logo on the on the canvas from UFC One. Frankie Edgar and Korean Zombie in the main event, as we know. I mean, you got Benavidez, Ray Borg, uh, Raquel Pennington, Jermaine Durandamy. You got that crazy uh, Bob Cook guy coming back to fight. You got uh, – there's some fights I like, but I really like this co-main event. Donald Cerrone, Mike Perry, because you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be a friggin' slugfest. There's going to be uh, – there's going to be – this is going to be incredible. Well, the the talk trash the, – the trash talk, if you will, is heating up to the point of uh, Platinum Mike Perry claiming, quote, I'm going to give Donald a beautiful death at this fight. So that's an interesting quote that jumps off there. But now it's blowing up because Donald Cerrone, longtime Jackson Wink guy, they welcomed in Mike Perry. Cerrone spoke up and said, what are you guys doing? Coach Wink was like, you're out of the gym. And now this turned into a big thing say, with them basically saying, hey, Donald Cerrone. You were never really part of this gym. You always did things on your own. You always wanted to train on your own. You didn't want to help anybody out. So it's almost like this weird Rashad Evans, John Jones thing going on right here. Uh, is this, is there anything here? Is there anything to this? Do you see this in gyms where guys get a little too big for themselves and think they're not part of the group? Yeah, you know, here's the thing. Like, I don't know what to say about that because I'm, I'm not really familiar with the, with what goes on there, but I can tell you this. I've heard about Cerrone in the gym. And what what we've heard about from Winkle John, what Winkle John and, and Jackson are saying, to, for what I've heard is not true. I've heard everything like about Cerrone. If you need work, he'll be there. He's the first one to show up, the last to leave. If you need spar, he'll spar with anybody. He'll work with you. You know, you want to grapple, he'll do that. You want to wrestle, he's a guy that just he's there to work out and just get work in. You know, work hard, work smart, and just be there and be there for anybody. That's what I heard. I heard, like, you know, that's what I heard. That's what I know of. Like, he worked with Joe Schilling. He's worked with people I know. Um, everyone I've known that's been around, there's nothing but um, positive things about him. So, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's weird for them to say now, hey, you're not welcome here because you're never part of the team. But he spent so many years, he spent over a decade repping Jackson Wink. 
Like, if, when you think about Jackson Wink, you close your eyes, you think about Cerrone more yeah. than anybody. Because even Diego Sanchez left them for a little bit. He went to California. Good point. But, but Cowboy never left. I think about Cowboy. I think about, um, what's that dude's name? Keith Jardine. And, 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 and the dude that was dating Holly Holm, uh, he was a strike force. He's a boxer, um, Hispanic. I can't think of his name, uh, 185 pounder. He used to date Holly Holm. Boxer, uh, I think he fought Robbie Lawler one time. He's a Hispanic cat. He used to be part of, uh, Winkle John. It's not jumping out at me. Name this MMA. I'm sure we got listeners going, it's that guy. It's that guy. Come on. Nail it. Yeah, nail it. He's five, five strike force. He used to date Holly Holm. Uh, 185 pounder. Well known. I'm just going blank. You're talking about Tim Kennedy? No, for, no, no, no. No, he's a striker. 185 pounder. You're not talking about Babalu. I mean, what do you, what do you, I'm looking at Robbie Lawler's strike force I, resume here. Okay, the checks out. Um, no, go, I think it's below, before, like, earlier strike force. You're not talking about Scott Smith. No, 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 Scott Smith. <laughs> okay, um, okay, type in Holly Holmes' ex boyfriend. It was Holly Holmes' ex boyfriend, Hispanic kid. Um, could punch. Uh, I'm going blank. Wow, wow, this is great moments in, uh, in, in, Great moments in podcast history here. Uh, so apparently it's not like, uh, no, I can't find it. I mean, it's not a jockery. So, uh, all right. Hey, great. Good talking. But that guy, that guy, somebody will, will text us. Somebody will tweet us and be like, dude, you're talking about yeah. this guy. It's Joey Via Senor. No, I don't know who it is. Yeah. This, yeah this, 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 it actually Joey is him. Oh, I remember that guy. Yeah. 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 Joey Via Senor. Yeah. He can fight, man. And like, I remember those, those three, Cerrone, Jardine, Joey Via Senor. Never truly left Winkle John and, and Jackson. They never left there. They were there from the get go. You know what I'm saying? If I can think about anybody else that left, um, oh, and um, what's the um, the um, the the guy that fought? I'm going blank. The guy that fought um, Woodley. Woodley kicked him and tore his ACL. Uh, and he got beat by Damian Maya. Oh, this is Robbie Lawler fought him. Oh, this is like five six degrees of separation here. So the guy I'm that, uh, so you're, you're talking about Jay Hyron? No, 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 no. He's recent. Like, he's still in the UFC. 170 pounder. Um, ah, he fought, uh, he fought in WC. Then went to the UFC. He fought, uh, Jake Ellenberger. Jake, it was Jake Ellenberger's first fight in the UFC. Oh, wow. He's, he fought Robbie Lawler. We went five rounds with Robbie Lawler. Five rounds. And then he remember when he fought Woodley, tore his ACL, throwing a kick in Dallas. All right, I'm 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 on he the. He fought uh, GSP too. He fought GSP too. You're talking about Carlos Condit? Yeah, Carlos Condit. Oh my god! Yeah. I, see, I thought I would have said that right away, but I thought you were referencing somebody a little bit more like random. All right, yeah, Carlos Condit. We got it. We got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going blank, but yeah. So those three, those three names. Holly Holm came, but she was in the forefront, like these yes. three were. I mean, I think of Jackson Wink, I think John Jones, Holly Holm, and Cowboy Cerrone, and nobody else. So, yeah, that, that, that pretty much makes sense. Demacio Page. Demacio Page. I think about him. Just there, there's certain names I think of, think of John Jones as well, but I'm thinking about guys that started off with, with Jackson Wink. Well, there's. Because you know, John Jones started off, he started off in New York first, and then came with Jackson, Jackson Wink when they got in the UFC. Completely. All right. So, Platinum, Platinum Mike Perry, who, Man, that guy's a good soundbite. Man, that guy uh, has some interesting tats. Man, that guy loves to fight. He tweeted out this uh, just late last week. 
He says, I don't know why Cowboy Cerrone is acting like we ain't in this shit about the money. He's oblivious because he always had money. I'm a broke, hungry, effing lion, and I'm glad you didn't die in the scuba dive so I can kill you in the octagon. I'm going to give you that, Spartan. Hashtag beautiful death. Um, end quote, Kingbo. This guy don't play. He don't play. Yeah, you know. Um, He's coming to take lives. Talk. He's going to take his life, yeah. Kingbo. It's, 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 good, it's good talk. He's, he's telling the fight. Now it's time for action. Well, you know, I hope both guys, hope both men make it to the cage healthy at their best and put on a great show for the fans because that's what's needed. Uh, around the other uh, news circuit, and uh, by the way, Misha Tate did, did defend Cowboy Cerrone and say the treatment was not cool. So he's got people on his side in this. Anyway, let's move on from that. Jessica Andrade, did you see this story, King Mo? She's selling her own UFC gear to make ends meet, saying she can barely afford, like, training camps. I mean, she's got a big fight coming up at 228 on Saturday against uh, Carolina Kowalkowicz, which is basically like the winner gets a title shot, essentially. But yet she hedges that by saying, no, but I'm happy with UFC pay. We've seen this before. I remember Michael McDonald, when he's coming back from injury in UFC before he left for Bellator, was basically like, UFC, unless you front me some money, I can't afford to train I was wondering if this is an indictment on the state of MMA and the pay, or is this just Jessica Andrade's personal financial situation? I just don't think I've ever heard a fighter this good at this level being like, yeah, I needed to actually sell off my gear in order to to, to do this. Uh, yeah. Uh, her quote was, I'm going to my 14th UF fight in the UFC, and it's really difficult to get sponsors, to get people who want to help you financially. Sometimes we have to sell UFC clothes. Backpacks, gloves, stuff like that to make extra money to finish a camp. It's quite difficult, but we go on. End quote. You ever hear of this before? Uh, I've heard, like, not to that level, but, uh, maybe, I'm thinking maybe she, she's looking at a contract with a manager. Or, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It could be a personal situation she's in. It could be that she's not making enough money. Or it could be she has to take care of a big family, you know, um, and she should get paid more money because this woman can fight. Just you know, she brings it. Me. I, I, you know, I just, I, I just, I honestly feel like MMA should, we, that, that show and win money should change. Just give us all the money. Like, show and win, because regardless, we can go out there and fight hard. You know, sometimes you get, you get guys that'll fight hard, or you get, you'll get a lot of guys that'll fight cautious to make sure they get their whole check. If you go out there and you give guys, they're full purse. They'll go out there. They'll go out there and fight. They'll go out there and entertain. They, there's no worries. They'll go out there and fight. Remember, you seen you seen a, a jog fa a jogba. Yeah, in boxing, the guy, the, he fought yeah. against Curtis Harper, the heavyweight, and, he, and Harper yeah. left the ring before the fight started to protest his pay. Yeah, no. And here's the thing, right? I know people that know Curtis Harper. And they're like, Mo, he can actually box. He's not no punk. He wasn't scared. You remember that war and he then, had with Chris Ariola? One of the first PPC cards, that absolute sloppy war. That was yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that. I'm up. I'm I'm down with that guy, Curtis Harper. But that, that move, good. that move was unprecedented. He'll test him, but I never see anybody walk out of a I walk out of the yeah. ring before the fight started. I know before I've seen it during, um, like when Trevor Burbank fought Takata. Go watch that. <laughs> Trevor Burbank versus Takata. It, it was it's the new age Olive. It was like, it was new age Olive versus Sanoki. Except this one was more real. And Trevor Burbank was getting kicked in the leg. I was like, hey, what are you doing? Because I'm pretty sure, the, you know, in Japan, they probably told him, you take kicks. But he's probably thinking American kickboxers are going to kick above the waist. 
Because back then, in America, Muay Thai wouldn't really know. It was American kickboxing. So you see people wearing the shin pads and kicking above the waist and head kicks. Well, he was getting kicked in the leg. He was like, what are you doing? Complaining to the referee and complaining to Takata, like, kick waist up, kick waist up. Finally, after like the 10th leg kick, he powders out the ring and walks out to the locker room from a big crowd in Tokyo. He's like, I'm out of here. Powders out the ring, walks back to the locker room, shaking his head. You have to watch that. It's pretty, it's on YouTube. It's I, I've never seen that. I gotta definitely go back and check it out for sure. Hey, Kingbo, did you see UFC Lincoln just, just a couple weeks ago and Justin Gagey's big, much needed mm-hmm. comeback win following two devastating losses in a row where we're like, is this guy already, hey, gatekeeper, we need to protect his health status against the very dangerous James Vick, who was as hot as almost any lightweight. First round, massive KO. Holy cow, the highlight just produced another highlight. As a fan, that felt good. It felt good to see Gagey get that back. But that was a surprising finish, in my in my opinion. Your thoughts? It, it was a surprising finish because it happened so quick. I felt like Vic was establishing range. I was actually getting the best of strikes. But Gagey, you can see, was getting closer and closer and closer. And eventually, left took right hand landed and... When that right hand landed, it was it was clean. That was a bomb. But but here's the thing. Let's not forget Eric Anders. Because that soccer kick, Whoa. the field goal kick, the kickoff was nasty. That Eric was Anders, third round KO head kick on Tim yeah. Williams in a middleweight bout, but it was and Anders, of course, former what, University of Nebraska linebacker, you know, coming off of his first defeat. Uh, Alabama, Alabama. Alabama. But the yep. danger of that kick, because Williams had his hand on the canvas, was standing up, lifted his hand just as Anders' kick connected to the face. I mean, you know, a split second earlier, it's a potential DQ. That was a nasty highlight. Have you seen Anders' social media posts where I didn't know, but I guess he used to be a like a place kick, not a place kicker, but a um, kickoff. He used to do kickoff. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, maybe like, you know, trying you know, you know, sometimes like when you're defense, they might have, you have like another specialty position, like this, this position you do, even though you don't play it. Well, there's a picture of him kicking the ball off in practice and you see his opponent's head coming off the, actually coming up, coming up, ready to get kicked. It's pretty interesting. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good post. <laughs> I got to check that I one out like as well. Kingmo giving us a lot of good homework here. I like it. Uh, Kingmo on Gaethje though to close. Do you, if you're UFC, this is a win that he needed to get his brand back up. You know that he's probably not going to be around forever because of his style. So do you give him another showcase E looking fight that he could knock somebody out or do you throw him right back into the title picture and the wolves? I, what, what do you do in this spot? Well, what you do is you, I rebuild them. I give them another fight, another showcase fight. They give them a semi showcase, like Cerrone versus Cote. Like, it was supposed to be a tough fight because Cote was ranked like 11th or something like that. But at the same time, it's still a showcase fight, even though Cote was ranked. So you don't so give you him do like that. Raging Al, Iaquinta or anything. You give him somebody like a little younger on the, on the up and up. Yeah, I give, I, uh, well, yeah, I like, yeah, give him like, yo, like not, not no, yo, Iaquinta is a killer, you know, he's in the rankings, but, I give him somebody like, you know, Aya Quinta maybe, or, cause it'll be a tough fight. Then I give him a Kevin Lee. Well, if you get, see, I just, I'll, I'll say if you're giving him Kevin Lee, then you're throwing him back to the Wolves, cause I see Kevin no, Lee no, as no, a killer. Yeah, but give, give, give him Aya Quinta first. Okay, okay, okay. Then Kevin Lee, because, you know, Aya Quinta is a killer. He's tough. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, he's, he's right there. He's in the top 10. Give him that fight. If he's good, then I will right, we'll give him, cause you want to see, you want to see what 
what the damage is, what the damage looks like. Because if, he, if he's going to life and death with Iaquinta, then you know that he's probably not ready for Kevin Lee just yet. And the but Colts, if he goes out there and he sparks Iaquinta, he's like, all right, well, let's go give him Kevin Lee. All right. In the co-main that night, we saw Michael Johnson, who had moved down to featherweight the fight before, snap a streak of, really, what, five losses and six fights when he took a split decision from Andre Touchy-Feely. And then Johnson saying afterwards, look, I was pretty much, I thought I was going to get cut with a loss. We know this guy, 32, gatekeeper-y in terms of where he's at, but yet really good still. Were you impressed by this performance? Man, that was a close fight. I'm gonna be real with you. I don't like him one one forty five. I don't like him one forty five. It's just it's something. It looks drained. Looks really. He drained. still can fight, but he don't look like he has that like that oomph. Because there are times Touchy feels like walking him down, and I'm like, what? Where at one fifty five, he didn't get walked down, even though he's a smaller man. Even though he walked around at one sixty or one sixty five, not no, he wasn't that heavy. And I think one yeah one sixty one sixty five is where he walked around at. Um. He walked you down. Like, he'd back you up. When he fought Habib, he actually, like, you know, backed him up with strikes. But at 145, there's something. He he has it, but at the same time, I think maybe he's drained, so he can't, like, come with that pressure as much or as long. I'd like to see him back at lightweight. I mean, I, look, it is what it is. I don't think he's a title contender, but he's a, he's a tough out. I'd like to see him in Bellator, but I always say that when a guy is in his early 30s and he's taking a couple losses, and I'm like, you still got some juice. Why don't you go over there and see what you can make some fun fights with some names? But that's just me. People have contracts they got to fight out. Hey, Brian Barbarina sent Jake Ellenberger in the first round to to the depth, the dark depths of hell with a vicious knockout. Ellenberger, whose losses have piled up uh you know considerably retired in the cage afterwards this was his fourth straight defeat six in his last seven bouts been around forever always been a big fan of the honest fighter the juggernaut age 33 any closing thoughts on the end of jake ellenberger's career man i met jake ellenberger before i started fighting we're at team quest in portland oregon i didn't know who this kid was but we we're sharing a room and like Cause I was there to help Matt Lillard train for the Quentin Jackson fight. And I was like, who is this kid? I saw him sparring. He was tough, tough as nails, scrappy. And, and, uh, Matt Lillard was like, yes, yeah, so my, the new kid I got, Jake Ellenberger, the juggernaut. And ever since then, we've been cool and we train together, you know, um, I remember when he's like, Mo, I'm going to fight Carlos Condit. And I was like, man, don't do that. <laughs> get, get your, get your feet wet. Cause Carlos Condit fights on short notice. He's like, Mo, I'm going to take it. I'm going to, you'll see. I'm like, all right, show me something. And he almost beat Carlos Condit. It was a real close fight. He actually had him beat, but, you know, right when that, after that fight happened, I knew Ellenberger's going to do something special. He could do some big things in the UFC. And one thing you can say about Ellenberger is no boring fights in his career. No. All his fights have been exciting, you know what I'm saying, to his detriment, like, to detriment of him. Because in the long run, I don't know what type of, we don't know what type of damn, what, you know, what type of, um, the results we're going to have in, uh, towards the end of our career. I mean, in the long run, our 40s and 50s, with all this head trauma we're taking. But he took some shots. And I'm hoping that in the long run, he doesn't have any penalties, you know, mental penalties from Man. all these shots or physical penalties from all these shots he took. He closed his career with four straight knockout losses, which is always tough to see against some guys, you know, Masvidal, Mike Perry, guys that can actually absolutely bring it is what I'm trying to say. Wonderboy knocked him out, you know, Gastelum submitted him. But, uh yeah, always came to fight, man. Beat some names, beat – Nate Marquardt, Big Jake Shields, Diego Sanchez, 
never quite got to that highest level, but was always close, was always a tough guy that you're going to have to get through. Martin Campman one time sent him, sent him pretty deep there with the TKO. But uh, look, he fought everybody. Loved watching him. He is gone. But King Mo, more news we got. Tony Ferguson is back. This, this, this surprised me a little bit. Apparently I'm in the minority here. But he's going to be on that Connor Habib card, UFC 229, October 6th. And it's looking like the co-main as he signs on to face former champion Anthony Pettis. So on the surface, love this fight, of Whoa, course. hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so my bad cut you up. But crazy thing is, I was in Vegas, like, what, a few weeks ago? And I was talking to Kevin Lee, who I watched. He looked phenomenal in training as a stream controller. I was like, Kevin, who are you fighting next? And he's like, I think I got Pettis next. Ooh. And I was like, that's cool. And now it seems like that's changed. You know what I'm saying? So I'm wondering who does Kevin Lee have now? What, what, what are the plans for him? Could, could, could be Gates and, for all we cause, know. Yeah, because it makes no sense. Honestly, to me, Ferguson versus Pettis makes no sense. So that's what I was going to get to. Ultimately, like, it's one of those fights, King Mo, that talent versus talent. You're like, heck yeah, this is going to be exciting. This is a worthy co-main plus – it's a strong fallback for the UFC should Connor or Habib have, what, late injuries, weight issues, whatever. But this is a monster gamble for Tony Ferguson. The guy's 34, not getting any younger, 10-fight win streak, coming off a vicious knee injury. Look, you know how heartbreaking this sport is, King Mo. You build up to a certain point. You lose once, sometimes you don't get back to that. If he loses to Anthony Pettis here... He's right now the most deserving guy in the deepest and most competitive division in the sport. He's the most deserving guy for a title opportunity. They stripped that interim belt off of him that he, that he won on his own was, you know, again, a couple things. Wasn't his fault. Habib got missed weight at 209. Wasn't Tony's fault. He has this freak injury while he's doing TV ahead of 223. Now he's going to put it all on the line against Pettis, who is starting to look like the Pettis of old. If he needs the money, I get it. If he's just like a badass that's like, I don't care, I get it to a degree. Because, look, if he wins this fight, he's going to get the winner of Habib Connor unless GSP slides in there, which Dana White just doesn't think it will happen, whatever. But, King Mo, speak to this. You're a businessman as much as a fighter. This is a dangerous-ass move. You're putting it all on the line. I don't think it's that dangerous now that you think about it. Think about this, right? Who is Pettis Beats to look like the old Pettis? Well, he, he kind of wins and lo- he alternates wins and losses since that title loss, basically. Uh, I mean, he looked great against Michael, uh, Michael Chiesa recently after Chiesa okay. was, missed weight. You know, I mean, I guess the, the decision over Jim Miller was, was okay. He submitted Charles Oliveira in 2016. He looked great, but then in between, he gets stopped by Max Holloway, gets submitted by Poirier in a fight that he was getting beat up pretty bad. So, so let's think about this. Now, Max Holloway, and um, Tony Ferguson, to me, kind of had the same similar style in a sense. I think Max Holloway is a little cleaner, but Ferguson has the volume, like a wrestling, the length. I just think I think I think Ferguson will be too much. You know what I'm saying? I think it'll be too much. I think I think that this is a fight that they're they're putting together for Ferguson to look good in, even though Pez has a name. I think that you know Pez has a name, but really I don't see any. I don't see how Pez is going to beat Ferguson unless he can knock him out or submit him. I don't see him submitting him, maybe by knockout, but at the same time, like, Ferguson's pressure, his reach, his length, like, I think it's going to be too much for um, Pettis. I think it's going to be too much for him. The well, you're testing the that serious knee injury back against the guy. I mean, my, my whole point is, 
like it's all it's all in time for Tony Ferguson, right? He's not getting any younger, so you you may only get that title shot once. So if he's going to have well, yeah, if, the, it, if that knee isn't perfect, I'd rather the knee not be perfect in a title shot against Habib or Connor than the knee not be perfect against Pettis and then maybe not look great and then whatever. But see, this is the thing, right? Terrence Ferguson has actually like sat down since he's won the weight before, right? Well, here's the thing: if he says to win the weight, and but now he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna fight. I feel like he'd only fight if he's healthy, because why risk it? I think he's well. I think he's healthy. He's like, okay, I need to fight. Let me knock off this ring rust. You know, I, I know my knee feels good. He's probably, I know he's probably back training. You know, what I'm saying because in order in order for the fight to be announced or even be considered, he had to he has to be back training. So I think that. I think maybe like you know right now it sounds like it's going to be a good fight, but it's more of a showcase fight. That's fair. That's fair. Are, are, are my overlooking the the realities of fighter lifestyle where like I'm basically telling him sit out and wait when the reality is look Connor Habib could have a fight that's a classic that demands a rematch. GSP could slide in. Nate Diaz could slide in. So Tony, as much as he's deserving, isn't guaranteed everything. So what about the payday reality? Like could he just be in a spot where he needs his payday? Well, no, I, I think I think you have the pain, but he probably needs to like you don't want to be out for a year and a half waiting for a fight. Think about this. Think about Cerrone when Cerrone moved to 170 and fought Cote. Remember, everybody's like, "Oh, this is a good fight." Oh, because Cote was a name and he's ranked. That's it. So everybody, the moment people saw a name they're familiar with and he, he was ranked, they're like, "Oh man, Cerrone versus Cote is gonna be a tough fight." And Cerrone went out there and smashed him. It's the same thing. It's the same thing they're doing right now. Because they could be like, you know what? You have a messed up knee? Fight Tony, fight, fight Kevin Lee again. Because look, that's one thing Tony Ferguson, no one wants to do is fight Kevin Lee injured. Think about it. So they could, they could easily be like, you know what? Fight Kevin Lee again. Or, or they, or, or you know, he fight, you know, I don't know who the, that's the only person I can think of he could fight this open, really, if you think about it. Kevin Lee at 155. Edson Barbosa? No. Um, who else is there at 155? Uh, Everybody took it. Seems like everybody's already matched up. Pretty much. I mean, I, best. I like what you said though about just wanting to stay active because nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. So that does soften my sort of like, what are you doing, Tony? But showcase opportunity is a big deal here. Hey, Dave Meltzer, the the uh, MMA and, and famous pro wrestling reporter, came out and said uh, he's hearing that Connor's not willing to do media ahead of UFC 229. So there's the one half of it that's like this fight sells itself, right? The grudge match with Habib, you know. Former champion against current champion. Everyone's already declaring this will be the biggest fight in MMA and UFC history. The first MMA pay-per-view that maybe pushes two million buys. But he's saying Connor's not willing to do any media because he's so damn focused and coming back. And that he's getting a bigger percentage of money than anyone's ever seen before. Which makes sense considering he's coming off the Floyd fight. You think this could potentially hurt the sales? And what? And knowing that they've had issues in the past, right? Connor got pulled from UFC 200 for refusing to fly to Vegas to do a press conference when he was training in Iceland. UFC has no pull here, though, right? Like, in this case, by not punishing him coming off that 223 incident, rewarding him here, Connor's pulling the strings here. Uh, if Connor doesn't want to do media, he's probably not going to do it. He's not going to do it, but they don't, he don't really need to. Like, really, like, the name, there's so much hype behind those two with the, with the fight happening. And I feel, I have a feeling that people are going to be real disappointed when the fight happens. Whoa, whoa, King, King Mo, what do you got? What are you saying here? I just think, like, you know, like, for Connor not to want to do media, 
shows that either that um, either that he's kind of nervous about what he says because he don't, he don't want to look bad because he want to look bad if he loses or when he loses because when he fought Diaz, was no problem doing media then. When he fought Floyd, and he had no, and the thing is he had no chance of beating Floyd, but he had a big payday. Wasn't no problem in doing media then because remember he had a built-in excuse. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an MMA fighter. Came to boxing. I'm fighting the best boxer. So he had a built-in excuse. But now he's going back in the MMA is what he's what he's known for, and he's not going to do any, do any media for Habib. Someone's been talking about him. Someone that slapped his homeboy. Somebody threw a dollar to the window for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Like, I just find that like maybe he's having like you know he don't want to look stupid. If he talks trash, he goes out there and gets beat. Interesting. But now. Now, if he's quiet and he goes there and wins, he can be like, shh, shh, where's my money? I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> but now, imagine if he's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm, I'm a warrior. I'm a Celtic warrior. I'm this. Uh, and then Habib takes him down and smashes him, just submits him. How does he look then? That's, that's, that's an interesting theory there. I like that. I like that's, what, that's why I think, I think it's a cash out. I think they try to get all the money he can make. Because, look, he, he didn't get paid, big percentage. But if he loses, which I think is going to happen, then – and he's talked all that trash, and his mystique is gone. But say he didn't say anything good up there. It's like I, 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 he could be like, you know, I, I want to go in Rocky mode and keep my mouth shut and go out there and prove to the haters that that, that I'm real and I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a knockout Habib. If he, do, if he says quiet, he does that. People gonna love him. They're like, see, quiet. But say he speaks out loud and gets beat, it's gonna hurt him. I think he's just trying. I think he's it's just doing it for his image. Because there's a great chance he's gonna lose. Wow, wow. I, I figured it was more like he knows he doesn't have to and he's also taking this fight like super seriously. And giving it no, the look, respect look, it deserves. Look, you take you take every fight super serious. You know what I'm saying? He took remember Jose Aldo, he took Jose Aldo super serious and he's still doing media talking trash about Jose Aldo. It's just that now he's facing something that gave him problems in the past, a a solid wrestler. You can't forget like like if 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 uh, uh, Chad Mendes had the cardio Habib had, yes, that fight would have been over. I agree. It been over. Do you think Connor looks at, at Habib as somebody he can't mentally break, and maybe that's part of it? That why why do these big press conferences where you're talking trash if I can't get in this guy's head? I think that's what it is. Think about it. When when have you seen? Could you imagine if Ali was like, you know what? For this fight, I'm not going to talk trash about my opponent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or Mike Tyson. Instead of me mugging, oh no, for this fight, when I fight Lex Lewis, I'm gonna go shake his hand when we walk in the ring. Yeah, right, yeah, right. You know what I'm like saying? That. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not, that's, that's, those are, those are things that, like, like, why'd you do that? That'd be like Floyd being different. Like, you know what, but Floyd, like, you know what? Instead of wearing chinchilla and crazy shoes, I'm gonna come out wearing normal trunks. <laughs> come on. No, that's not what we want out of those guys. We want Tyson yeah. to basically say this. Okay, tell your family to write their will out. You're in trouble. That's what we want out of Mike Tyson. Hey, uh, Connor and Floyd on basically close to the one year anniversary of their, you know, absolutely mega fight are now trading trash talk again. And it's actually tricking certain media members and maybe they're just chasing clicks to write stories like, are we on our way to Connor Floyd boxing part two? Because Floyd offered Connor to train at the Mayweather gym in Vegas for the Habib fight. Connor came back with a tweet that's like F the Mayweathers basically except for Senior and Roger you know step up or step down I don't need that Floyd comes back and is clowning him about that fight uh, nothing here right what, what's going on here is, is... Oh, well, just think about this right Connor's doing media he's doing media now we don't need to 
He's doing media about Floyd when he's fighting Habib. Is that setting up, under your theory, that Connor thinks he might lose and will lose? Is that setting up the, what's next for him? Walk away from UFC and box Floyd again? I don't don't know if he's going to box Floyd again, but I think that, like, why talk trash to Floyd when you're not fighting Floyd? But you're saying you're focused on Habib, but you're going to bring up Floyd and say the F. Come on, like, to me, like, why fight another battle when you have a battle in front of you already in Habib that are making mid off? Very, very fair point. Hey, also in the headlines, it's official after like a year of talking about it. Cyborg, Nunez, UFC 232, Vegas, New Year's weekend, December 29th. It'll be for Chris Justino's UFC women's featherweight title at 145. Nunez will move up. Essentially, it's pound for pound one versus pound for pound two in the women's game. So you love the fight. But in our heart of hearts, King Mo, and I know Amanda Nunez is your teammate, can we actually give her a chance in this fight? Because I almost feel like Nunez is the 135 version of Cyborg. So how is she going to beat her? Nah, Nunez is a lot faster. She's, she's quicker than Cyborg. And that could be the thing that could help her. Cyborg is seeking to destroy, like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees type fight, where she's <laughs> watching down and kill, kill, kill. Like she watched your ass down <laughs> and she punishes you. But Amanda Nunez is more like hopping around and she'll explode shots and she'll walk you down, get cat and mouse. Cyborg doesn't take no steps backwards. She's at the juggernaut. The moment she takes, she moves forward, she just keeps on coming forward. Unless you have to knock her backwards. You have to like clinch her, upper body clinch and put her against the cage. But, um, I, you know what? I think I like to fight for both, but my problem is if Cyborg wins, then what? Great point. What's next? Like, I feel like this show waited a little longer, try to find more women for Cyborg to fight. You mean you know, actually try to put a top 10 of rankings together on their website? Came out, we're two years into this division. They have no rankings. It's the only division they don't have rankings for. They don't care about it. Yeah, because they should have showcase, but they should find women that, that, that are willing to open weight class, but all right, you can't win more than 170. And you, you know, and you can't, and you have to be able to at least be 145 or, you know, at least 145 to 170 cyborg challenge. If you're a female weighing anywhere between 145 and 170, you get a chance to fight Cyborg in the UFC. Seriously, you should do that because there's a chance that, say, Cyborg fights Amanda, Amanda and beats her up real bad. Amanda could be damaged. No, you're on right, you're right about that. And that could ruin her. It could absolutely ruin her. It, 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 here's the interesting thing on what this offers Amanda, who's 30 years old and really has, like, one of the sneaky best resumes in women's fighting history. Like, anyone that doesn't think that, guys, she beat Shevchenko twice. She submitted Misha Tate for the championship. She knocked Ronda Rousey out in like 48 seconds. She dominated Peddington. Like, she's a, she's legit. But if she beats Cyborg, she's gonna be the first women's champ champ. She's gonna be in that category with Connor and DC holding two belts at the same time. She's basically immor- you know, immortal at that point. She'll probably be the greatest female of all time. Like, there's a lot at stake here for Amanda Nunez. So, you know, I give her credit for wanting the fight and accepting it. She could basically punch her ticket to like being the goat. It's interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be, I don't know. It's gonna be. I don't know, it's just so weird because women's MMA has gone in cycles. Like I remember when they, when they hit the scene on hook and shoot. You know what I'm saying? Years ago, and you had women fighting the hook and shoot, and when Terry LaRosa was doing her thing. And at one point, I thought Megumi Fuji and Terry LaRosa were the best women fighters in the history of women's MMA because back then they were wrecking shop. 
and it just changes so much. Like, and then you could say it's Ronda, you could say Junior Karan at one point, then you could say Cyborg, but then Cyborg was, was a great fighter, but the star, star appeal went to Ronda. You know what I'm saying? And Misha. I feel like Cyborg had been, Cyborg should have been a big star, like, just like them, but she was overlooked. Oh yeah. And Dana White buried her at every, every corner yeah. and took a long time just, to get Dana, her. That's Dana, that's Dana, Joe, I mean, Joe Rogan too. Yeah, Ronda, everyone. Yeah, they 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 screwed that one up. Uh, final bit of news before we preview the weekend's big card is uh, Nick Diaz got cleared last week of three felony domestic violence charges in Las Vegas from an incident with an on again off again girlfriend that seemed uh, pretty dark. I'm uh, I'm glad they figured it out legal wise, but the whole key for MMA is he's 35. This should clear him to come back. We haven't seen him since January 2015 in that bizarre Anderson Silva match that. Not only did both guys fail tests afterwards, Diaz for marijuana, but Diaz has been out mostly for two more f- drug issues after that. And plus, he's a Diaz, and Diaz brothers just do whatever they want, and they, they linger around. But I want to see him again, King Mo. I feel like he's, you got to need money uh, eventually. Will we see him again in the octagon? Will UFC give him a fight that matters, whether it's a GSP rematch or whatever? I know you can't really count on the guy, but the guy's an MMA celebrity. He he makes fun fights, whether he tries or not in the cage. Well, the the issue is when he comes back, because he's been back, he's been gone for three years. Will he be the same um, Nick Diaz that everyone's grown to love? He's rusty, older. Who knows? If he's in shape. If his body's in shape. Who knows? You know, he's been drinking. You know, smoking maybe. Well, not maybe. Smoke, not maybe. Maybe. Not maybe, but you know, not maybe. But you know, if, if he's doing if he's doing bong rips, he might be okay. Dab rips, okay. But if he's smoking flour from 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 a blunt, his lungs gonna be that bad. If he's out there drinking beer, his liver. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna be bad. He's gonna be out of shape. So like, how like how much will he lose getting back in shape? Because you know sometimes when you're out of shape for so long, when you try to get back in shape, you get worse. Your body gets beat up even more. Who knows? Like, you know, you know, he's a, he's an endurance athlete. So he's got to do so much more to get in shape. So that's more wear and tear. All the long running, all the slim, the miles of swimming, bike rides. That's wear and tear. So who knows what he's doing? Maybe, maybe he's out there resting. Maybe he's training a little bit, but nobody knows what he's doing. But that three years off is not good. One year is bad. Two years is horrible. To me, three years is a death sentence. Yeah, I know I say this for every guy in their mid-30s, go to Bellator, but he's got a relationship with Coker. I feel like you can make fun fights in Bellator that don't, like, really matter in the big picture, like, in terms of title contention. I know he's under contract with the UFC. I feel like we're just going to see him in one more UFC fight, and it's going to be a debacle. But if you're the UFC King Mo, you got to make a creative match. They tried a creative match three years ago with Anderson Silva, right? It headlined a pay-per-view. Outside of a GSP rematch, what's a, is there a creative match we can make? Just a fun fight to use his name that like, it's not that important. He's not going to get smashed. Is there a, is there a name I'm, I'm missing? I can't really come up with something. Him versus Kobe Covington, him versus um, Usman. Ooh, that, the Covington's not bad because there'd be some fun trash talk. Five, five, five rounds, even versus Usman. It's five rounds because Usman can wrestle. Can you wrestle Diaz for five rounds? So when you take him down, you're, 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 you stand with him, his volume is crazy. If you take him down, you're, you're going, you're on the ground with a guy that's very active off his back. He was in shape. So like, he can get those fights, but then would he want those fights? Because really, like, he's, I don't, I, I don't know what he wants. Uh, he probably wants a big name, maybe a GSP rematch. 
I don't know. I'd love to see him with all those Bellator welterweights. The name, the or name Bisping, guys. Or Bisping. Or Bisping. Ooh, ooh, that's an interesting one more for Bisping to go out on. Wait, what do you do because that? Thing, like, what do you do that? Is like open weight, middle weight, whatever. Yeah, open weight. Yeah, open weight. Because the thing is, like, the problem with him fighting the Bellator welterweights is, like, he's been the the welterweights, the Bellator have been active, active, probably more active than the guys in the UFC. If you think about it, they've been active. Besides, MVP was out for a year, but he's still been doing boxing. And But, like, Diaz coming back with a three-year layoff. He needs a showcase fight. So we got to find him somebody that's, that has a good name, that's somewhat dangerous, quote-unquote, but it's not dangerous. I mean, it's going to be about four years by the time he gets back in there if he does. King Mo, here's trivia time. Uh, Matt, and- Brown, Matt Brown. That, Matt Brown. That's actually a perfect one. But here's trivia time that's going to blow your, your doors in unless you've already looked this up. Tell me the, the year... And the last opponent that Nick Diaz beat in an MMA match. The year and the last opponent Diaz beat. Um, had to be BJ Penn. Correct. That was the last opponent. Do you know what year? I'm that not was? sure what year. 2011, but, um, King Mo. Seven years since Nick Diaz has won a fight. Holy crap! I don't know. It was that long? Holy, I mean, that was a great fight. That was like a like a like a epic boxing war on the feet there, and 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 he busted up BJ Bad and really kind of announced himself to anybody who didn't know him before in Strike Force and Elite XC. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's been it's been inactivity. It's been that soap opera with GSP. It was the interim title loss to Jake Shields, in which he also failed for weed. Uh, wow, what a run! What a run there for Nick Diaz. All right, King Mo, it's time for UFC 228. It's Saturday. Dallas, it's a legit card. I'm, I'm fired up for it. I mean, it's not like amazing, but this feels like a strong card. I don't know what it's going to do pay-per-view wise. I don't really care, but it's got fights I care about. And it starts at the top for that welterweight title. Tyron Woodley, Darren Till. We teased it early. Let's get it right out of the way. Darren Till, the 25 year old from Liverpool, England, who kind of is a poor man's Conor McGregor from the standpoint that he's a big southpaw puncher. Got the, got the accent there. Has a couple of tats, good looking guy, could be a guy of the future for them. And boy, did they fast track him into this title shot. When you consider he missed weight against Thompson earlier this year by four friggin' pounds, then got a hometown decision. Okay, could have gone either way against Wonder Boy, but got, if you look at the wide nature of those scores, got a hometown decision in Liverpool against Thompson. And then UFC said, Hey, Colby Covington, F you. We're stripping your interim title because you're not ready. By September eighth, and Till's getting the push. King Mo. Wait, time out. So Kobe's belt really got stripped. Uh, from what I know, from what I've heard, yes, I know that that's always fluid. So, I don't think it's true. I don't think it got stripped. Well, well, to 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 the defense of myself here, Tony Ferguson. Remember, he got stripped, and then he wasn't stripped, and then he got stripped, and now he's officially yeah. stripped. So it could be in that 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 gray area where Dana White's yeah. like, you know, says out of his ass every other time. But the whole point is here. They fast-tracked Darren Till in a way, King Mo, that almost feels like when Nganu knocked out Overeem last December and then a month later not only got the title shot against Stipe, but UFC was like, this is our Mike Tyson, this is our guy, and they pushed him to the gills in hopes, I think in hopes, that he was going to stop Stipe. I feel like it's the same scenario all over again because UFC has never promoted Woodley properly. Dana White's always talking bad about him. This kind of feels like that. I don't think Till deserves the shot by any means. Uh, yeah. I, honestly, I I, don't, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know, know much about Till. I don't know. I know he's a big guy, but I don't. I don't know how he's react 
to the wrestling that Woodley has offered. Um, I, I, I think that the moment wrestling gets involved, this fight, this fight can be boring because the moment he, moment he gets to defend a few takedowns, will he open up still? Cause you notice a lot of people when they first, like, first face, I don't, who's doing, who's Darren Till face that can wrestle in the UFC? Well, that's the thing. If you want to build an argument that Darren Till doesn't, doesn't deserve this. So he's 5-0-1 oh, in his UFC run over the past three years. But I thought he lost to Thompson. So if you agree with me, he really only has one good win. It was when that first round knockout of Donald Cerrone. And if you agree that Cerrone's kind of washed, there's no good wins there. They're all decision wins against guys you barely heard of. So there's who not. The draw? Who's the, who's the draw with? Who is this five, who do you have a draw with? Let me call that up and tell you his run. Five. All right. He, he debuts three years ago. Okay. He KOs Wendell de Oliveira with an elbow. Then he has a draw against Nicholas Dalby. And then decision wins over Jesse Ayari and Bojan Velikovic. Velikovic, yeah. Bojan's in uh, PFL right now. So, um, I really don't know. I think, I think, I think Willie just how restless guy, but I heard Till has some good jujitsu, um, or solid jujitsu, but let's see how he is with this weight cut. Let's see how he is going to the third or fourth round versus a guy that can actually grind on him a little bit and has power. No doubt. Let's I mean, so. Happens. What Woodley gave him credit and said, look, Till did something against Wonderboy. And he's like, I'm not going to say what it was because he's going to try to do it against me to keep him in that fight. He says Till has really good timing. He closes distance in a very sneaky way, and he's a big puncher. Like, if you saw them face off at, at that press conference where Nate Diaz came back for, I mean, Till mon- is a monster compared to Woodley. I mean, he's a middleweight, no doubt about it. He's barely been able to make weight in UFC. He's missed weight twice, and he's the, in, in all the interviews with Till, by the way, the last couple weeks, he is an ornery MFer because they have him in the UFC Performance Institute in Vegas, so you know UFC is invested in him making weight in this, and he's upset and angry going through this weight cut. He's not going to be long for 170, by the way, but my point is he's a big welterweight. But I think there's the Nganu situation. I make that comparison, not just because I feel like UFC wants Till to win, but I feel like a lot of people are getting caught up on, well, Till's just going to walk in there and walk him down and knock him out. When if you break this down category by category, which you kind of just did, Woodley's got the advantage, even at age 36, in every single category. Power, wrestling, speed, explosiveness, except for basically size. Yet Woodley, pretty jacked dude at 5'9", like... I think this is going to be a demolition. It's it's a fifty fifty fight on paper, and it surprises me. The betting they're both minus one ten odds. This is an is a push. I think Woodley's going to absolutely demolish him, Kingmo. Me too. Um, I think the weight cut's going to hurt him. I think that this from watching Matil, he's so big, he's not that fast. He's good timing, but these feints take that. Like you know, I, I just I just think Woodley. I think Woodley's going to overwhelm him. He's going to overwhelm with speed and some power. Now, Woodley's been off for, for a year with injuries, so that is a factor. But here's the thing. You know, I'll give Till credit. He says, look, Woodley's best skill is his mind. Nobody gives him that credit, his IQ. And he's 100% right. Came well. Nobody really realizes how good Woodley is here. I feel like sometimes I'm, you and I may be the only ones. Like, Woodley's really, really good. At worst, he's like the fourth or fifth in my pound-for-pound pound list off the top of my head. Like, and the point is... He goes in there against every style and and in in his own words, beats that person at their game. Robbie Lawler's a big brawler. He goes in there, walks him down, and knocks him out in, in, in a minute, basically. Steven Thompson is this crazy point karate style. He goes in there twice and outdoes him in the, in his game. 
Damian Maya wants to try to take him down 75 times. He stuffs every single takedown. This guy just adapts. Why does UFC not realize what they have in this guy? Woodley said it himself. I need to, I'm promoting myself. If you think about it, he is. He's got that, his own training series that he puts out, you know, his own camp life sort of video. He's doing the TMZ thing. He's basically promoting himself. Does Dana White just hate this guy? Uh, I don't know. I think that maybe his fights aren't exciting to him. Um, I think, I think he's, I think Willie's, um, doing his thing to think that, uh, he's a great fighter. I just, I think maybe it's the disconnect between him and the fans or him and the, him and the organization he's fighting for. That's what he has to be. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, 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 when it comes down to Willie beating his own style, he does that unless you're like, there are a few people that I don't think he could do that with and, but they're on Bellator. Like, like I, I, I don't see him doing that with, um, He's not doing that with uh, um, with uh, uh, with Lima. He's not doing that with uh, he's not going to do that with Wins Larkin. He's going to wrestle with Wins Larkin. He didn't do it with um, um, uh, Roy McDonald. You know, there are a lot of guys. Ed Ruth. He's not he's not going to do that with Ed Ruth. There are a lot of guys in Bellator. I feel like Bellator does have the best welterweight division in MMA. I, I have to agree with that. And look, so this is MMA. This is UFC. Anything can happen. It's very possible Darren Till could go in there and catch him. Look, I mean, I didn't think he's not. I didn't think Woodley was going to knock Robbie Lawler out in in two minutes, right? Like, I mean, so it happens. But man, Woodley's damn good, and he doesn't get the credit. And he's starting to put together King Mo a resume. And when you look at the history of the UFC welterweight division, there's two kings. There's Matt Hughes and there's GSP. Because look, you know, the first welterweight champion was Pat Militich, but it was the lightweight title then. Yeah, he made four defenses, but that's such a, that's a point in history that's so infant, right? I mean, what, like, some of the guys he beat, not household names. In the history of the UFC welterweight division, it's GSP and it's Matt Hughes. Woodley's entering that conversation when you consider he's beaten Koscheck, Condit, Gastelum when he was unbeaten, Lawler, Wonderboy, Damian Maya. He's 36. Let's start like let's start putting our hands together and be like this guy's this guy's kind of an all timer here. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But hold that thought because remember there are people there are people that view, that you've named like if I brought up Jens Pulver, you'd be like ah, you know what I'm saying? But Jens Pulver was, was honestly back in his time he was a Woodley type character. You know what I'm saying? Like whooping some ass, people knew him. But it's just that let's see how. You are when you're done because sometimes history's not kind to people. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, the way the UFC is, if they're if they're if they're busy bashing him and say Tom Willie retires and Dan White's still involved, Dan White being kind of spiteful might wait just to prove a point. Might wait to before he put, brings Tom Willie into the um into the Hall of Fame and talk. You know, I don't he might get, just do that. You, I don't get how they have not presented him as a like. As a Mayweather type guy, be like, look, pound for pound, this guy's amazing. He'll beat anyone at any style. So you don't put the focus on the fact that a couple of these fights have been tactical and boring. Instead, Dana White's overblowing that they've been tactical and boring, and you're just basically devaluing your own star. It's just, it's constant crap. We've been down this road. He's pretty much he's a promoter that's promoting people he wants, but he's tearing down people that he should be promoting. And I that's love, by the way, Woodley's comments the last couple of weeks because – He's like, look, I've always been the spoiler. He goes, when I knocked out Robbie Lawler, he was on on pace to maybe fight Connor at MSG, and I took that from him. He goes, 
in the era of Paige Van Zandt and Sage Northcutt getting pushed, suddenly this Wonder Boy guy with spiked hair and the right skin complexion comes up and he goes, I stop, you know, I took away their guy right there. And he's like, I feel like this is another one with Till and I'm going to spoil it again. And, and he gets it. He knows where he's at. And he's like, the only thing I can do is keep beating who they put in front of me. I love Woodley. I think the experience is going to be too much of a factor. We've only seen Till go five rounds once and that was against Thompson. This is, this is the deep end of the pool. So this will be interesting. But King Mo, here's one thing that as a fan, has to get you excited. Tell me yes or no. Till one thing he is, absolutely determined. And Woodley's talked about that ad nauseum. He's like, when I looked in the eyes of this guy at the face-off, this guy's coming to kill me. I know it. This could be a brawl. This could be a pretty damn epic brawl. I, I don't see it being a brawl. Name me one time Woodley's been in the brawl. Yeah, remember, point. remember, he seems like Mayweather. He's like Mayweather. So name me a time Mayweather got into a brawl. So to be a brawl under this circumstance, Till has to hurt him. Well, even even that. Let me tell you. Okay, here's the thing, right? Okay, when wrestlers tend to get hurt, for the most part, they do two things: they shoot or they swing for the fences. So let's see what happens. If Till would have happened to hurt Woodley, which Woodley will we see? The Woodley that wants to wrestle, or the Woodley that's going to swing for the fences? It's a very. I think it's the Woodley that's want to wrestle because why risk? Say you get rocked facing a guy that's known for being a stand-up guy. That's okay jujitsu. They can't wrestle. They can't sprawl to save his life. Take him down. So if Woodley would have happened to get rocked, he would just go into wrestling mode and be like, you know what? I can't stand with this guy. So you know what? I can't wrestle. And it'll be a wrestle fest for about the, the whole fight. And then Woodley will win that. You're right. That, you know, Kimo, that, that's why, that's so, why you, that's why you're the expert. That's why you're the expert. That's, in, that's a, that's a very fair point. It would really have to be Woodley rocked in full on fight or flight mode. Because you're right, he's going to be and, smart and, enough. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's and that what's going to happen is Woods going to win, and the crowd ain't going to like it because Woods going to decision him, or he might stop, him, he might grind him, might stop him, and then the crowd's going to be like, "Ah, uh, this again." Hey, give give that guy his love. Hey, Kimo, no, uh, give him his love, credit. You know, he's a champ. Um, so there's no suspense in this co-main event, women's flyweight championship. Nico Montano attempting her first defense against Valentina Shevchenko. King Mo, I'm going to check out the latest odds right now. Shevchenko is a UFC record minus 1,200 favorite as the title challenger. Montano plus 775. Holy crap. Um, yeah, I feel like let's just get this fight over with. Let's let Shevchenko absolutely destroy her. It's like, it's no offense to Nico Montano, but UFC made that 125 decision very hastily, that division, I'm sorry, put out the tough season. Montano rallied from a 14th seed, even though her record at the time was, what, three and two as a pro. She rallies, she gets three straight victories, she gets into that title shot. She's got to fight Roxy Modafari at last minute. They still go forward with it. She wins a boring decision. Now she's Jermaine Duran to me all over again. Yeah, um, really, what they should have done is they should have pulled a Bellator move. They should have had some of the girls fight, I mean the ladies fight, have them fight, have them fight. Then the ones that look spectacular, the ones that look the best, put them in a tournament. Have a tournament over a few cards so, so everybody can recognize, hey, these are the ladies in the tournament. Okay, here's the ones that advance. They'll be fighting on this card. All right, here's the semifinals on this card. And the finals will take place in, you know, New Year's New Year's um, New Year's Eve weekend. You know what I'm saying? The 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 main the the finals of the tournament would happen as a co-main event underneath 
Cyborg, and Amanda. Yeah, I like it. They could do. They could, they can have the first. They can have a, a true. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's the first women's car, but a true women's car where they have the where they have the women headline and co co main um, a card. That's ha- that did happen in Australia when uh, when it was Rousey Holm and Joanna uh, against uh, Latornu. Yeah, 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 Latornu. Yeah, 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 but I, I mean, like, like having like you know those two fights, like you know, because then, then you have a super fight and you have the best of the best in these two the new weight class. I'm down with it. Because now you have no one. No one knows who um, Mon- I don't know the girl's name. Montana. Montana. Nico Montano. I mean, this is a bad spot to have somebody. Yeah, in- no one knows who she is, and the UFC never promoted her. The UFC pretty much promoted Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, they kind of created the division for Valentina Shevchenko. And by the way, Shevchenko is great. She's probably the third best women's fighter in the world. I thought she beat Nunez the second time. She's more, her natural weight is 125. She looked fantastic in her debut. She's going to roll through here and win the belt. So in the end, it's not going to be a big deal. But the fight for this division, and you know this, King Mo, is when Joanna finally gives up her, her hard weight cut 115 dreams. And they do Shevchenko, Young Jacek, and you bring up oh, their I'm, history but, that Shevchenko beat her three times in kickboxing. That's going to be a hell of a fight. But if, if, that's the thing. I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching, um, Joanna train and she looks phenomenal, but I'm like, it's time for you to go up, Joanna. And I don't think she, I think she wants to try to get her belt back at 115. So she's going to stay at 115 a little longer, which I feel like she should just go up. Well, did you hear go the up. quotes, Kingmo? She says, after she lost a second time to Rose, she was on her way up, and UFC talked her out of it and convinced her to stay in the division. I thought that was interesting that she, A, did it, and B, that they're like, no, we need you at 115. You don't need her. Put her at 125. Make her the face. Have an epic trilogy with friggin' uh, Shevchenko. I mean, what's going on here? What's going on here is the UFC's tripping. What the UFC could do is um, Valentina, say, say Valentina and Joanna win, and Joanna looks impressive beating her. Then they could talk to Rose or whoever has to vote 115 and be like, hey, you're the champ at 115. You cleared the division out. How about you bump up to face the champ at 125? Because at 135, the 135 champion went up to face the 145 champion. That's been done. So let's do 115 versus 125. Then eventually 125 versus 135 over time. I'm amazed, just entertainment. King Mo was right all along. Uh, this is, uh, whatever. But hey, Shevchenko's gonna roll through. I'm sad that, uh, Zabit Magomed Shiripov, who is teammate of, uh, of, uh, Habib, correct? Well, they're, they're kinda. Like, um, like Habib trains in uh, AKA, so, but, but, um, but, um, Magomed Shiripov, I can't remember his name. He trains, I believe he trains in, uh, um, New Jersey with Mark Henry. Okay, it was supposed to be him against Yair Rodriguez, which was going to be a hot fire fight. Now it's Brandon Davis filling in when Rodriguez pulled out with an injury. So that is what it is. Uh, I'm not that pumped for that. We'll see. Good, good showcase, maybe opportunity for Zabib. But that women's strawweight bout that we said earlier, Andrade, Carolina. Yeah, man, this is going to be some fireworks, Kingbo, when you consider this. Both lost against Joanna for the championship in the last two years. Both, to their own degrees, looked really good in doing so. I mean, Andrade got blown out, but she, but the determination, the chin, the the fighting spirit was there. Yeah, Carolina they both, they, pushed her to the they limit. They both had spots. They both had spots. Because Andrade, Andrade actually rocked. Um, she she rocked um, Joanna a few times, but Carolina actually had Joanna on spaghetti legs. I mean, Carolina sent her to the hospital. That was a a, yeah. a tough performance. So both have rebounded with two really good wins. Now they're back together. You really have to feel like the winner of this gets a shot at Rose Namajunas. 
this is could be a war knowing their styles. So I look at the betting lines though, and it's interesting. We got Andrade as a minus four fifty favorite, Carolina plus three sixty. I feel like it's a little bit more of a pick'em. Where yes, I I lean Andrade because that power, that chin, that aggressiveness is there. Who do you like in this one? I like I like um, Andrade because I feel like if you're gonna face a European, the best has to be a grinder, and Andrade's a, a power, explosive, strong grinder, and I think she's gonna overwhelm um Carolina's like she likes to fight long, more upright. She's there to get taken down. If you look at uh, common opponents after Ioana, of course, Carolina got submitted by Claudia Gadeja, whereas Andrade defeated her in an absolute war in Japan. No, that's not, 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 not defeat. Smashed her. Because remember, the first round was a war. The second and third round was a whitewash. Because because Claudia cut too much weight. She couldn't keep that pace. Dresca Andrade has probably the best VO, the high, probably, probably one of the highest VO2 maxes in MMA. The VO, her lung capacity has to be amazing because yeah. you never see her fold. She comes forward, big slams, big punches, more slams, more punches, coming forward. She, she's a machine. It's just insane That's that she, she used to fight at 135 and wasn't bad. She wasn't a bad bantamweight. She's got she some wins. Small. She was kind of small at 135 when she fought. She fought girls like, um, Pennington? I mean, women like, uh, uh Sarah, Sarah, um, um, uh, I can't. Uh, no, Sarah, not Ross, Sarah, um, McMahon. See that on the, uh, on the ledger there. She did, uh, that's, that's, she has two fights with Pennington. They split them. She lost to well, Carmen. Well, she's supposed to lost. fight Sarah McMahon. I guess it fell through, but I know her and Sarah McMahon was to fight at one point. She beat, uh, she did, she lost to Carmouche, but she, she fought some names there and she, she won some fights. I like, I like this fight a lot. Andrade also has a win over Tisha Torres in her last bout, which is a very quality win. So fired up for that one. And I, you know, I always tell you women's strawweight is my favorite division because they, they just bring it. And I like this one. That's the preliminary card main event on FX. Carla Esparza, who's coming off that kind of tough split decision loss to Claudia against Tatiana Suarez, the former tough champion who King Mo. She's legit in my eyes. Now she's, she's been a little bit inactive, but she's fresh off a dominant first round submission of Alexa Grasso. I look at Tatiana Suarez, 27 years old, tall for that weight class. I feel like this is a like a, a future candidate for a title shot. I mean, I feel like this is somebody. You like her? Yeah. Um, let's see how she deals with um, a, a grinder and 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 uh, um, I forgot her name. Uh, I'm going blank today. Esparza, the former champ. Yes. yes. Yeah. Let's see how she and, and Esparza. Literally, when she she had some time off, she came back, looked good in her, in her win. She lost the fight just recently, but. She can, she knows how to make fights look ugly. She, 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 her stamps getting better. Um, I feel like she's, she's improving. You know, I think, I feel like she's improved a lot. She seems more confident in her skills. I, honestly, this is a good one. Couple bantamweight bouts that are decent. Aljamain Sterling, Cody Stammen, and Jimmy Rivera coming off of that first UFC defeat against yeah. John Dodson. You, you like anyone specifically there? Mm. I mean, Stammen's on fire. Stammen's, Stammen's yeah. on a roll. Yeah, I, I, those are, to me, I don't, we have to see because, uh, especially with the Dotson, um, uh, what's, um, Dotson Rivera fight. Ooh, I, cause Dotson, his last fight, when he fought, uh, he fought Pedro Munoz, I believe. That was yeah. the last fight. Split decision yeah. win coming yeah. off the loss to Marias. And the thing is, like, that fight was so close, you know, and, and towards the end, he was in trouble. Um, Rivera taking his first loss, how would he be? Shaking back from his first loss, facing a guy with experience like Dotson. Dotson's quick, explosive. Um, 
he's probably probably the quickest guy Rivera ever faced. So can he deal with that speed? That's going to be interesting, right? I like I like there. those two fights. So on the preliminary card on UFC Fight Pass, it's a five fight offering. There's two fights I want to highlight here, King Mo. We said Jake Ellenberger walked away after a long run, sort of a guy that came from a different era and was still hanging on, fighting a lot of the young guys today. We got two guys: a welterweight bout with Diego Sanchez against Craig White, and a lightweight bout with Jim Miller against Alex White. We've seen Sanchez and Miller, of course, against each other at UFC 196. I feel like a loss for either one, Diego Sanchez or Jim Miller, could could bring the same end to a run that's been really fun. Both guys just honest, brawling grinders. Yeah, it might be it might be the end of the road, maybe for, for both of them or one of them. But at the same time, if they go out there and put on a great performance and keep the fight closer, you know, if it's a back and forth battle and they're not getting smashed and just like blown out, who they might. Might be be around for the fight because there are people there that 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 fight in the UFC with four losses, three knock losses in a row, five losses in a row, and they're still fighting. Diego Sanchez is a name that helped build the UFC during the times the Ultimate Fighter was on Spike TV. So they should do right by him and and Miller. Both men were around during the Spike TV era, and they, they were their names. They're there fighting anybody and they're fighting everybody, anybody. Those there Heck putting yeah. on good fights. I mean, let's let's be honest here. 2005 was when Diego Sanchez won the first Ultimate Fighter finale, knocking out Kenny Florian at middleweight. I mean, that's a long-ass time ago. And uh, coming off two devastating knockout losses to Matt Brown and Ally Quinta. I feel like we were in a spot like only like two or three years ago where we were like, maybe Sanchez should walk away. But, you know, he's sort of comes back with wins when he needs them. He got decisions over Jim Miller, over Marcin Held. I don't want to – it's like weird. It's like I don't want to see him get knocked out again. But I kind of like this Diego Sanchez on a preliminary card era lately. Like, it's just always fun. I mean, he's Diego Sanchez. He's going to come out and do the do the yes thing and be crazy and be insane and brawl. And I know he's not the same guy who even brawled with Gilbert Melendez five years ago. But I almost don't want to see this era end, King Mo. Well, the funny thing is you're like, I don't want to see him. Um, you're like, I don't want to see him take any damage or get beat up. Hold on. Oh, what's going on with this thing? I, I don't know what happened, but yeah. You said, I don't want to see him get beat up or get um, taking damage, but at the same time, you tune in to watch him fight. I know, I know. It's, it's, you know what I'm saying? Fight, being a fight fan is never easy, King Mo. It's a lot of moral, moral, uh, hurdles you have to clear. But hey, looking forward to this card, 228. Looking forward to see if Woodley can continue to build that resume. King Mo, looking forward to seeing you back in the cage. Hopefully we'll get some news in the upcoming future. But hey, you're a businessman. You got some things going. You're gonna be in a Burger King commercial. It's a, it's not a bad time to be <laughs> King Mo here in the late thirties, right? You you still look young, you're still you're still healthy. Good 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 times, good life yeah, right now, right? Feeling good, yeah, yeah, feeling good. Enjoying feeling enjoying training, enjoying watching the fights. I'm I'm enjoying things right now. It's going good, man. So everything's going great. Can we close uh the show with uh King Mo's story time here? Can you can you can, let's look back on the, uh, I always love looking back on the career of King Mo and, uh, you know, I did, I was pretty pumped up on June 19th, 2013 when you knocked out Seth Petrozelli in the, in the first round, you know, the, with the pink hair, which kind of means you beat the guy who beat Kimbo Slice. So uh, what do you remember about that fight at Bellator 96? Oh man, honestly, like, I didn't think nothing of it because I, it's it Seth Petrozelli. I knew he was going to come with some crazy stuff. He wore the Burger King, Burger King crown at weigh-ins and, um, I don't know. I just, I just, there's something about him. I just felt like, you know, um, he wasn't sure of himself because when we went out there to fight, he was moving. He looked kind of nervous. He threw a kick, landed. He threw another kick. I checked it. I saw his facial expression change. 
he was moving around real weird. I took him down. And when I took him down, I, he tried to throw some hammer fists. I was like eating them, whatever. And when I stood up, I saw his feet there. I was grabbing them. And I just had good control of his feet. And I stepped, I did the juke step to the right and I pulled his feet by. And I took the biggest overhand right, looking right at his jaw. And when I landed, I was like, all right, it's over. I was like, I got up. I was like, I landed. I, I pulled my fist up to look at him. I just got up and walked off. And I felt bad for him because then I saw him an hour later walking and they were still holding him because he was like, he had no idea where he was at. Oh, man. He was dizzy. He ended up getting dementia. He had problems with diz- dizziness for, for, for like, for a few months after the fight. Damn. So when I see him, I approach him, but like, it's a dirty game because you know what, when I knocked him out, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, you know, I knocked him out. You know, it was a good highlight knockout. I didn't really dwell on it too much. But then like when I saw him later and I talked to him, he's like, Mo, that knockout, like I'm so dizzy. I still have issues with it. And uh, I, and, and, and after, after talking to him, um, you know, um, after the fight years later, like that really messed with me seeing that, like, you know, that, He's having issues with his uh, equilibrium, so. King, no, you just, it's a dirty game, it. man. It's a dirty game, and you were only four months yeah. removed from that knockout loss to Emmanuel Newton, so I feel like you needed to make a statement, and you came out and you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I always try, you know, every fight, every all fighters try to make statements. Every fight, when fighters say it's the most important fight of my life, but guess what? The fight before that, we said the same thing. Every fight is the most important fight of your life because every fight matters. Right. Every fight will lead you to taking a certain path. Like you have a, you can have a bad loss, right? And that bad loss can help, can either catapult your career to where you're like Bernard Hopkins, where you're like, I lost the first fight, but you know what? I'm going to go on and train harder and train smarter and be a great. Or you lose, lose your first fight, but like, you know what? I'm terrible. I'm a journeyman. I'm going to go out there and just fight whoever and just get my paychecks. Win or lose, I don't care. I'm just going to get paid. So the, when you're fighting, you, the, the wins and losses can, can send you in that, that route, but your mentality will, will, will determine where you end up at. Love it. Love, love the inside take. I was just looking over your resume, King Mo. I've only been in the, in the, I've only been live for one King Mo fight. September 5th, 2014, Mohegan Sun, Bellator 123. You were in the co-main event and you send this giant six foot four dude, Justin DeCobe, to the dark depths of hell. TKO2. You remember that fight? Oh yeah, I remember that fight. Yeah. I, I was supposed to fight somebody else. I was like, around that time. You were supposed to fight Tom DeBlass. Remember Tom DeBlass? I was like, yeah, I, uh, they're like, Moe's a good grappler. So I was training with some grapplers, Laborio, and he hits me up. I was like, Mo, man, I'm looking forward to this fight. I'm like, yeah, what's wrong? He's like, yeah, this and that's happening. You know, he's telling me things are happening. So I'm trying to help him get, get, get everything in order. And then out the blue, like the week of the fight or two weeks before the fight happens, he gets the nastiest cut. And he calls me. He's like, Mo, man, I have bad news. I'm like, what? what? What's that? He's like, I'm not fighting. I got cut. And I'm like, cut how? He's right where, where we get the phone. I see this cut. And it's like a nasty cut. So then I'm just like, so then like I go through like three or different, through two or three different opponents. And then finally, it's up for Dustin Jacoby, who's a kickboxer. So then like, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out there and wrestle him. I'm going to go out there and wrestle him. And I get to the venue and guess who I see? Sin side. Larry Holmes. Yes, That's I remember that. Changed. Yeah. Once I saw Larry Holmes, I like, oh my gosh, I have to show something. Larry I Holmes. Gotta show something. I got to show something. Larry, Holm Larry Holmes knows this game, King Mo. I know this game. You gotta listen to me. You gotta listen to him when he talks. Uh, yeah, that was a good <laughs> night. Bobby Lashley beat up some chump. Chuck Congo was on that card. Uh, it was, uh, 
Patricio Pitbull against Pat Curran. He, he took the uh, champion, took the featherweight title from him that night. Another yeah. night in King Mo and Bellator history. King Mo, thank you, sir, for your time. Great chatting with you. Enjoy the fights. UFC 228 and beyond. It's almost time for them. Bellator heavyweight tournament about to get to get heated up yeah, again yeah. in October. Looking forward to it. You got any message for the listeners, for the fans of King Mo at King Mo FH on social media on the way out of here? Uh, really, you know, um, just the two words as usual. We out. <laughs>